Before this episode starts, uh, I just want to play something in honor of the 2019-2020 Los Angeles Clippers. I don't even know where you're sitting at. (laughs) Ball game. George for the tie! Missed everything! Boy, oh boy. Um, We got a lot of content to get to. You know, before I even start this episode, I'm not even going to do the music. (laughs) I mean, I could. I I could do the music, but how's everybody doing? Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. And, you know, as I was writing out my notes for this episode, this Wednesday episode, uh, I, you know, I had my week one notes ready. I was, it was going to be mostly NFL week one talk. I was going to be breaking down some week one games. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. I think I'm choking. I think I'm, I think I'm choking. <laughs> no, no. But the Clippers last night. The, the 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 Western Conference semifinals, uh, the, that second round game set that second round game seven, Clippers versus the Nuggets, uh, that was a choke job. The Clippers completely choked that game away. And before I uh, before I before the wrath come out on the Clippers, I want to give the Denver Nuggets a round of applause. I want to give them props for cuz you know as you all know I don't give credit. I'm not I'm not Nate, I'm not uh Visa, Navy Federal. I I'm not I'm not a bank. I don't give credit. But I am going to give the Denver Nuggets their props. Nikola Jokic, I have been ver- I've been very critical of Nikola Jokic. Um he's the best passing big man in NBA history. Uh Jamal Murray is an emerging bona fide like he's an emerging star and and, and throughout these playoffs he hasn't always played great he hasn't always shot great but the competitor is there inside of him so and I know I know just about everybody had the Clippers winning this series um except if you live outside of Denver like everybody outside of Denver had the Clippers winning this series. So let me give the, let me give the Denver Nuggets a round of applause. Let's give them a round of applause. Let's let's give Denver Nuggets a round of applause because that was that they went out there. They went. They 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 were down three one. They played their tails off. When they I mean boy oh boy when they got hot they got hot. Now, <laughs> oh boy, uh, uh, bam, god damn, I think I'm choking. Let's talk about the Clippers. <laughs> As you all know, I, I picked the Clippers to win this series. I picked the Clippers to win this series. And, you know, I heard the excuse, you know, I, was lit, I, I saw some Clipper fans. I, I, I'm surprised there's still some out there. But, it, I mean, if you're a Clipper fan out there, I don't know I, I, if you guys, I don't know if you guys want to make a public appearance. I don't know. But uh, there's no excuse for this. 
There, there's just absolutely no excuse for this meltdown. Uh, let's start with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, you know, he's been he's averaging twenty. He was averaging twenty nine points in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was averaging twenty nine points in the, throughout these playoffs. But boy, oh boy, was he bad in the fourth quarter or what? And not just in Game Seven last night, because Game Seven. He, he he shot six for twenty-two. Just was not himself. He, I mean, and this is an absolute choke job. Kawhi Leonard choked this away. He did, and this is gonna be a stain on his legacy. This is going to be a stain on Kawhi Leonard's legacy. Because I was the same person saying, hey, if Kawhi Leonard leads the Clippers to the NBA Finals and he wins another championship. And he does it with the Clippers. I was the same one saying, hey, if he does that, he's arguably a top 10 player of all time. Well, that is not the case. And he choked He choked the 3-1 lead. Matter of fact, I was thinking about this. And I've seen a lot of playoff series. I've seen a lot of playoff basketball. Uh, I've seen stars not particularly play well in big moments. I've seen it. But as a collective team, this might be the worst 3-1 loss collapse we ever seen in NBA history. Because you can date back to the Thunder where the Thunder let the Warriors come back from 3-1. Well, the Thunder were playing an all-time great Warriors team. That Warriors team went 73-9. and So that Thunder team is like, well, we, 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 we lost the 3-1 lead to the best team record-wise of all time, which was the 73-9 and Warriors. And then that Warriors team that let LeBron come back down from 3-1, at least they can say, well, we arguably... We we got we 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 lost a three one lead to to arguably the greatest player ever in NBA history. But for this Clipper team, they lost a three one lead to the Denver Nuggets, and that's no disrespect. Nikola Jokic is a top ten player in the league. Jamal Murray, like I said, he's an emerging star, and his. And they and, and the Nuggets would not be this far without his playoff heroics in the first round. Without a shadow of a doubt. But the Clippers let the young Denver Nuggets do that? That that Nuggets team, they're babies. They're young. They're young. Outside of Paul Millsap, out, outside of Paul Millsap. The Nuggets have nobody that's over 30. All of those guys are young. It's the this is this is absolutely the worst choke job in NBA history. It is. It's the worst choke job in NBA history. It's the worst cho- it's the worst choke job in NBA history of all time cuz like I said, that Thunder team they can go back and say, "Well, <laughs> You know, we, we, we lost to the 739 Warriors. We let the we let the 739 Warriors come back from down from 3-1. Okay, that's a little bit acceptable. Uh the Warriors, they let LeBron come back from 3-1. LeBron is arguably the greatest player to ever touch a basketball. Okay. Uh, but the Clippers, they let they let the the, the, 
Nuggets come back on them. They let the young little Nuggets come back on them. Unacceptable. And you know the leader of this, the head of the snake, the head of this snake, it's Kawhi Leonard. And as you know, as much as I boast about him, I, I gave I, you know as, as much as I said, hey, if the Clippers win it all, I think Kawhi is arguably a top ten player. As much as I said that, it 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 works both ways because now he let a Denver Nuggets team that it's young, it has a lot of talent, but it's young. <laughs> It's young. Mike Malone, great coach, but he isn't Doc Rivers. This is just unexplainable. This was this is unapplicable. I mean, we we we. You, I mean, but once again, these are. But let me let me let me get to the red flags that I had about the Clippers, and I have I I've had these red flags about the Clippers for a very long time. I've had these red flags about these Clippers, and for, the first red flag was this. I said chemistry. These guys, they low, they in, like, chemistry. I want to first talk about chemistry. They haven't, this team haven't played together for a long time. And, you know, Paul George, uh, you know, all the other players and Doc Rivers, they alluded to the fact that, hey, our chemistry is just not there. Well, that's what you get for low management. That is what low management gets you. Low ma- that's what low management gets you. Kawhi taking nights off. You know, Paul George being consistently hurt and, the you know, the bench, like, no, 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 no. The Clippers cheated their way throughout the regular season. They cheated their way throughout the regular season. They, you know, when the, when, when it was time to go to the bubble, the Clippers never really seemed like they wanted to be in the bubble. I had Lou Williams going to strip clubs, Magic City, getting wings. I was like, oh. Don't seem really committed. And what did I say about this Clipper team? I said, this Clipper team is something off about it. I said, this Clipper team, they look disengaged and disinterested at times. Lord and behold, Lou Williams want to get wings, want to go to the strip club, want to do all these things. Okay, well, you are now free to go get as many wings as you want. You are now free to go to the strip club as long as you want because you're out of the bubble now. You're out. So you can go to the strip club all you want, Lou Will. You can go, you can go, you, you know, you can invite your teammates, do whatever. But I never this 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 clipper team, they 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 lollygag throughout the regular season. They didn't take the regular season seriously at all. And that's one thing that I have been praising the Lakers for is their lack of commitment. The Lakers seem committed throughout the regular season, and throughout the bubble. And I talked about how Alex Caruso, he skipped his sister's wedding. Alex Caruso skipped his sister's wedding to stay in the bubble and commit to winning a title. That was his goal. Lou Will? Lou Lou, Lou, Lou Will? I mean, I get it. You want to go to the funeral and, you know, you want to go to the funeral and give your condolences to a father figure of yours. But then you go to the strip club and get win. I, I, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. And I, I always questioned this team's commitment. I've always questioned or I always have noticed that they seem disinterested and disengaged at times. I've always did that. And I, I, I've always questioned those things and, those, and, and it, just, it just didn't get away from me. And that is what, that's what gotten the Clippers at home. This is what this is what happens when you lollygag throughout the regular season. You do the load management, but also another red flag. 
that I had about the Clippers is they finally had a great squad. The Clippers finally had a, a, a team that is the championship favorites. The, the, you know, a lot of media personalities had the Clippers win a title this year. A lot of, I mean, most of us, most of us, fans included, most of us had the Clippers getting to the Western Conference Finals. They, did, they couldn't even do that. And the Clippers finally had a great team. But, you know, it's just something. The Clippers have had a bad history. The Clippers have a bad history. It's just, it's just what it is. They've had, they, they, their franchise history is not good. It's not good. It's nothing historic about it, at least in a positive light. It's nothing historic about it. And when they finally have championship aspirations, I've always wondered, can the Clippers handle being favorites? Because this was new territory for the Clippers. The Clippers have never been favorites in their entire lives. Clipper fans have never been favorites in their entire lives. This is finally the time and the year where they are favorites. This is this they were favorites. Most people had them getting to the Western Conference Finals and they failed miserably. They failed in the worst way possible. They failed. They, they failed in the worst way possible. Um, it, 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 it does speak to the fight and the grit that this Nuggets team have. Um, but the Clippers, you know, I heard all this talk about, you know, Patrick Beverly and the dogs that they have. I don't know if Marcus Morris was looking for another ankle to step on. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what they were thinking. But it was clearly not it. And you guys all know, I'm a stats guy. I love stats. I'm a stats guy. I'm going to read you all of Kawhi Leonard's fourth quarter numbers versus the Nuggets in this series. I'm going to read them off to you. He averaged five points per game. Unacceptable. He, he was shooting 27% in the fourth quarter. Unacceptable. He was shooting 33% from three in the fourth quarter. Unacceptable. And couldn't get to the free throw line. Unacceptable. This is just unacceptable. A guy with his skill, a guy that was getting a lot of praise of such. Just, just This is just unacceptable. And a lot of Clipper fans, or oh, not a lot, but a couple Clipper fans asked me, they like, what does the future look like? Or I, I just, I, I hear other people asking me, what does the future look like for the Clippers? And I'm like, I don't know. It's the same. Because let's 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 take a look at the Clippers' future. Let me. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put it on my screen. You guys can't see it, obviously, but I can see it. Let's look at this first. This past off season, if you guys remember, the Clippers traded Paul. They traded for Paul George in exchange for trading for Paul George. They gave up five first round picks and they gave it to the Thunder. They gave up also Danilo Gallinari and. Shea Gilgis Alexander and a couple unprotected for uh, unprotected picks. So they gave up a boatload of picks to get Paul George. They gave up the kitchen sink and some more to acquire Paul George. Now, their upcoming free agents this year, the notable ones, Montrez Harrell, Marcus Morris, and Jermichael Green. He's eligible to opt out of his his contract. He's a restricted free agent. Uh, Montrez Herald and uh, Marcus Morris, they're both unrestricted free agents. 
Now, Steve Ballmer is a very, very wealthy man. Um, I think he's worth like seventy billion. Uh, he he's gonna he's he's gonna definitely play. He's gonna definitely pay the luxury tax. He he's not gonna think one second about it. He's gonna be willing to pay that hundred million. That hundred mil that hundred million to him is nothing. Um, because he's worth seventy billion. So, <laughs> um, he's very wealthy. He's gonna pay the luxury tax. But then, but then. You look at next offseason, the next free agency year, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are both eligible to opt out of their contracts. And the one thing about Paul George is if the Clippers wanted to trade Paul George, if they wanted to trade Paul George, what team would, what, what team would trade for Paul George, give up assets for Paul George, where he can possibly be a one-year rental. What team is going to do that? No, I, I, There's not a lot of teams, if any, that's going to be willing to do that. That's going to be willing to take that chance. That, that, there's no team out there that's willing to take that chance. Paul George, is a, he's, he's a possible one-year rental. So if the Clippers wanted to trade him, if the Clippers were interested in trading Paul George and a team wanted Paul George... Why would they take that? Because they don't know. They don't know. They, don't, they wouldn't take that. A team is not going to take. I highly doubt a team takes that risk of Paul George become of Paul George possibly becoming a one year rental. They don't want that. Teams not going to take that risk. Teams not going to take that chance. So when people ask me about the Clippers future and what's next. I don't know, but the team that you saw, this is pretty much what they have. This is what they are. This is what they are. Um, this team, you know, this is what they are. Doc Rivers, I heard Doc Rivers, um, people were questioning how long Doc Rivers would be there. Doc Rivers have been there for seven years. He has yet to get this team over the hump into the conference finals. He has yet to do so. We thought this the perfect year for him to do so. Nope, failed again. But according to Chris Haynes, Doc Rivers will be the Clippers head coach as uh, as a, as if next year he'll be the head coach for the Clippers next year. He'll be the head coach. So I don't see any drastic changes happening for the Clippers. It's just it's just, I, I I don't see it. I mean, because I, I, I would I, I would. Think I would think that they would sign Montrezl Harold. By the way, Montrezl Harold he lost a lot of money. He he lost a lot of money. Montrezl Harold lost a lot of money. He lost a lot of money due to his playoff performance. Montrezl Harold lost a lot of money. So I would I would think that the Clippers would resign him. Um, I'm not so sure about Marcus Morris, but let's just say for argument's sake they do. Uh, for let's just say for scenario's sake, they re-sign both Marcus Morris and uh and Montrez Harold. There's no, there's not many drastic changes that this team could do that this team could make. There's not any moves. There's not a lot of moves that this team could make at the moment. Um, and you look at COVID, the circumstances for COVID nineteen. 
the salary cap is going to is going to be lowered. So I don't know as far as the future with the Clippers. And that is why I do not understand what the hell Paul George was talking about when he said this is year one and it wasn't championship or bust. Because yes, the hell it was championship or bust. Yes, the hell it was. This was championship or bust for the Clippers. Ask Steve Ballmer. Ask Kawhi Leonard. Ask Jerry West. But you know what? This is the same mentality. This is the same lack of communication, lack of chemistry that got the Clippers bounced in the second round. Because Paul George, let's be honest, the moment, and this is, this is Paul George, he looks so sluggish throughout this series. He looks so sluggish in game seven, especially in the fourth quarter. He looks so sluggish. Paul George should be ashamed of himself. Um, and it, it, the, the, the defining moment for me with this whole game seven, and Paul, especially Paul George, was this. Paul George had a wide open three-pointer in the corner. And Paul George absolutely missed it by a mile. Paul George hit the damn. He, he Paul George hit the backboard. Paul George hit the backboard. Just, just, just pitiful. He's an all-star caliber player, but Paul George is straight up and down trash. He's trash when you need him the most. He's trash. He's trash. Paul George is trash when you need him the most. He's trash. He's trash. I don't believe in it. All the Paul George fans, they tried, they, they wanted me to buy into the hype and they wanted me to buy in that this year is going to be different. No, it's not. The book is out on Paul George. All-star caliber player in the regular season, but in the postseason, he folds. He he gets his he, he gets his panties in a bunch. I had an APB out for him last night. Can anybody find him? I went all I went all across I went all across DC and I posted posters all across the DC all across the DC of Paul George because I had an APB out for him. I had an APB out for Paul George. Please find him. The last time I saw him was in Orlando. I didn't see him through the I, I, like I didn't see him at the game because he just disappeared in the fourth quarter. Please, somebody find Paul George. If you are in the DC, if you are in the metropolitan area, please find Paul George. Please. If you're in Orlando, if you're in LA, I don't know where the hell he went. Where is he? Because we could not find him. We could not find I mean, at least I could. I I, I couldn't find him in the fourth quarter. I, I mean, he just disappeared on me. How tall is Paul George? Six eight, six nine? He looked more like 5'9", because he's straight. He, I mean, he, I mean, Paul George shrunk in the fourth quarter last year. I mean, uh, in the fourth quarter last night. He, he, he shrunk. He shrunk. Uh, I mean, please. How tall is he? Like 6'8", six, 6'9"? Six, he looked more like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, absolutely pitiful. This is absolutely pitiful. Um, <laughs> absolutely pitiful. But, you know... It's the Clippers. The, the, this, it's the same old Clippers. No matter how crazy 2020 has been, this is the same old Clippers. The same old Clippers. The basement dwellers.
That's what they are. They rent the st- they rent Staples Center, and they are the basement dwellers. Go back to the basement, Clippers. Go back to the basement. I always have said it's a Laker town, and I've always have said LeBron is head and shoulders above the rest of the league. Simple as that. And I stand by that. I've been saying that for a very long time. I've been saying that since the season started. I've said that uh, in the middle of the season. Um, I did think the Clippers had the better overall team than the Lakers, like as far as like bench. Um, but even even when I said that, I've always have said the Lakers duo, LeBron and AD, they're that the Lakers duo is better than the Clippers duo in Kawhi and PG. And Paul George is one of the reasons why I said that. Excuse me. I trust Anthony Davis more. Do I wish Anthony Davis would attack the rim a little bit more and not settle for for jumpers at times? Sure. But Anthony Davis in the playoffs, in his playoff career, in his young playoff career, he's averaging 30. He's averaging 30 points, 12 rebounds, shooting over 50% with three blocks. He's playing his tail off. Now, do I wish he was a little bit more aggressive? Do I wish he would attack the paint a little bit more? Sure. But with Paul George, Paul George just doesn't even, he doesn't even decide to show up. In big moments, he doesn't even decide to show up in games. He's just, he's just a total letdown. That's the, that's the concrete difference. Um, so... Before craziness and all hell broke loose with the Clippers losing in seven games to the Denver Nuggets, I did have something else on my agenda. And I am going to get to the Celtics Miami Heat because that series is really good. Um, People are just, I mean, we're so mind blown and we're just, we're just, and most people are in this total disbelief uh, that we did not get the Western Conference Finals that we wanted. But, hey, it is what it is. Um, life goes on. The playoffs is going to continue. I did want to talk about, I had some week one analysis for you guys. And throughout, before, this, before the season started, I have been continuously talking about how continuity is going to matter in the NFL. I've been talking about the teams, the teams that's going to succeed the the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Saints, continuity. Those teams have continuity. I love the continuity aspect with these teams. And I told you guys, teams that have continuity, teams that 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 you know that have veteran quarterbacks or quarterback or quarterbacks that know the system, they're gonna click pretty quickly. They're gonna click pretty quickly. And we had eight game we had eight teams with new coaches and new quarterbacks play in week one. And, 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 and only two of those teams won, which was the Washington football. One of them was a surprise, the Washington football team. But we had six teams with new quarterbacks or new coaches. And they lo- they all lost. They all lost. The Browns, the Cowboys, 
I, I, the, the, the Bengals. These are teams that I have talked about that new coach, new quarterback, or uh, rookie quarterback, young coach, or, or, or new coach for the Cowboys, for the Cowboys case, new coach for the Browns case. I have talked about, hey, continuity is going to matter this year. Baltimore looks unstoppable. Kansas City looks unstoppable. New Orleans looked pretty good against the, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I talked about it with the, with the Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers are going to be good. I'm not panicking like the rest of the world <laughs> or, 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 or like some media members. I'm not, I'm not panicking. Um, I expected what I, a lot of what I saw on, in, in week one, that's what I expected. I expected the Cowboys to lose against the Rams. I expected the Browns to get, to get beat pretty badly by the Ravens. I expected the 49ers to struggle a little bit with, the, with, with, you know, with Jimmy Garoppolo and the Kyle Shanahan relationship. I'm going to talk more about that. I expected, <clears throat> I, excuse me, I expected Tom Brady and his offense to look, not to look together. I expected that. And I'm going to talk about the Cow. I want to talk about the Cowboys because I expected a lot of those things. And a lot would happen on week, in week one. I predicted, right? With the Cowboys, if you're a Cowboy fan, <laughs> boy, oh boy, I get a lot of heat um, from Cowboy Nation. And I told you guys, I'm a Cowboy supporter. I root for the Cowboys. I like them. But I am, I am aware enough and I am smart enough to know what I'm getting from the Cowboys. And I told you guys, this is who the Cowboys have become. This is who the Cowboys have become. The Cowboys did what I expected on Sunday night. New coach, new system, and they played a Rams team coached by Sean McVay. Sean McVay is an absolute genius. He's an absolute genius. Sean McVay and, and, and Jared Goff, they've been playing together for a long time. They've, they, 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 they've, had, they've had some tremendous success for a long time, Mike McCarthy and Dak, this was their first game together ever. This is their first game together. New pieces on offense, O-line kind of banged up, but defense kind of questionable. But this is what I expected. This is what I expected. The Cowboys defense, this is what I expected. Um, Demarcus Lawrence has to play better. Everybody's, you know, a lot of people criticizing Dak. And I'm going to get to Dak. A lot of people criticizing Mike McCarthy. Why did he go for it on fourth and three? But boy, oh boy, this defense has to get better. This defense cannot stop the run. This defense has to get better. Simple as that. Defense has to get better. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, he, he, I mean, what is he getting paid for now? I, I'm just curious. Demarcus Lawrence is, he has a, he has a huge price tag and he let, he let Alden Smith outplay him. Alden Smith was the best defensive player for the Cowboys. Alden Smith hasn't played football in five years. Demarcus Lawrence getting paid too much money not to perform. 
He's get he's literally getting paid too much money not to perform. But let's you know let's let's transition to the Cowboys' offense because all throughout the offseason we have heard about this Cowboys' offense and the potential it has. And I think it I, I think the Cowboys' offense it'll get better. I think um, Mike McCarthy just he, he has started to learn Dak. He has started to learn Dak's tendencies, but. I feel like they, they got Dak doing some, some This thing doesn't work. Okay, let's look at Dak's first half. I'm going to pull Dak's first half on my screen. Dak went 15 for 18, 189 yards in the first, in the first half. Dak looked really good in the first half. But in the second half of the Cowboys game, week one against the Rams, he went 10 for 21, 79 yards, and the Cowboys only scored three points. Mind you, the Rams' defense is average. It's an average defense. Yeah, they have Aaron Donald. (laughs) I know. I told you guys. I told you guys when I was making my prediction. Aaron Donald's going to be a game wrecker in this game, facing a questionable Cowboys offensive line. I told you guys, Aaron Donald would have a tremendous impact on this game. I told you guys. He had tremendous impact on this game because the Cowboys' offensive line is banged up. It's it's banged up. There's injuries everywhere. And yeah, they got Jalen Ramsey, but uh, that's, that's pretty much all they got in the secondary. And then on the final drive of the game, trailing. Fourth quarter, the Cowboys went 10 plays, 15 yards. So there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of expectations. But we must, or not not me, because I've came to the realization. But Cowboy fans must come to the realization, this is who the Cowboys are. This is who they are. This is who the Cowboys are. This is who they become. This is who they are. We, if you're if you're a Cowboy fan, and if you were if you were expecting something more on Sunday night, then something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. Because this team it, it, it shows you who they are. And like I said, I'm not the I'm not the I'm not the guy that overreacts in week one. I get it. I'm not that guy. But I, I, I'm noticing a trend. I'm noticing a pattern with this Cowboy football team. I talk a lot of Cowboys. I talk Cowboys from last year. I talk Cowboys throughout the regular season. I talk Cowboys now. I told you guys from the beginning. I said the Cowboys are a 9-7 and team. I think their offense will eventually be, it will become dynamic. But the first few weeks, it's going to be a struggle offensively. That it was in the second half, mainly. I told you guys, I got the Cowboys at 9-7 because their defense is questionable. They couldn't stop the run. Sean McVay outplayed. He out, Sean McVay just straight up outcoached Mike Nolan, the, new, the Cowboys' new defensive coordinator. All these things I've said... If you're a Cowboy fan at this point and you were expecting more, look at yourself in the mirror. 
Because this is what this team has become. Now, I do think I had some takeaways from the game. Dak, he's just, he's not. The Cowboys need to play the Dak strings. He just, he just does. The, Cowboy, the, the Cowboys need to play the Dak strings. But before I get to playing, before I even get to that point, the Cowboys must feed Ezekiel Elliott. They must. He's making $15 million a year. Uh, th- when Zeke was touching the ball in the first half, Zeke looked very explosive. I must admit, I must admit, that was the best, that was the fastest Ezekiel Elliott look since his second year in the league. Zeke had a burst on him. Zeke had a burst on him that I have not seen since his first two years in the NFL. So he's in shape. Give him the ball. I need to see Zeke get 24 to 26 carries and about four or five catches. And you know why I say that? You know why I say the Cowboys got to play Dak strengths? Dak is not the quarterback where you have him drop back 30, 35 times and expect him to make plays. I'm not saying he can't do that, but he's not the most efficient. Dak is not at his best when he's just dropping back in the shotgun 30, 35 times. That's not what that's not Dak Prescott at his best. Dak Prescott at his best is when he's in play action. Sunday night, when the Cowboys did a play action play, Dak was 8 for 10, 122 yards, and got six first downs. He's effective. The Cowboys are much more effective when they're running the ball, which, which they were able to do. Zeke was, Zeke was running the ball pretty well. So the Cowboys were running the ball pretty well. And they have to they they, they have to let that they have to play to Dak strengths. Dak strengths is play action passer, misdirection, get him out the pocket. I gotta see Dak be mobile a little bit more. Cause Dak is not I mean, I'm just telling you like it is. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm not saying he's not good at it. But Dak is not the quarterback where you give him the ball and you and you say drop back 30, 35 times. From the shotgun and just sling it. No, that's not who Dak is. Dak needs to play from play action. You run the fo- you run the football effectively. He needs to be used in play action a little bit more. I need to see the Cowboys run play action a lot more. I need to see some misdirection. I need to see I need to see Dak getting out of the pocket. Dak using using. Dak's athletic uh, athleticism outside of the pocket, so it can so it can add another dynamic to this offense. I, 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 that's, I think that's what needs to happen. I need to see I need to see the Cowboys use Dak athleticism so it can expand this offense. Because when they just when they when the Cowboys just ask him. When Kellen Moore just asks him, drop back 30, 35 times and just throw it from the pocket, 
This is what it gets you most times. This this is what it gets you most times. Not saying Dak can't do it, but if you want the best out of Dak, if you want the most out of Dak, you need to get the run game involved. You need to get him in play action. You need to get him in some more stuff that lets him, that allows him to use his athleticism. Simple as that. Simple as that. You need to, you need to let him use his athleticism. Let him use his athleticism and make plays outside the pocket. Make, let him make plays using the play action. Simple as that. Plus, the last thing about the Cowboys that I, I, I've been spot on about this point. Because now, uh, uh, Blake Jarwin tore his ACL. He's out for the rest of the season. Leighton Vanderish, he broke his collarbone. He's going to miss significant time. One, uh, one, Cowboys, one of their offensive linemen got hurt. He's going to be out. I have, I, I, I have hit the nail on this, per, on this point about the Cowboys. The Cowboys lack depth. And they lack depth because they're paying everybody. And when you're pay- when you're in a salary cap league like the NFL, when you're when you're paying everybody, when you're paying Amari Cooper twenty million dollars, when you're paying Demarcus Lawrence twenty one million dollars, when you're paying Dak Prescott thirty million dollars, when you're pay- when you're paying uh, Ezekiel Elliott uh, thirty you know um fifteen million dollars a year, when you're paying all Jalen Smith, when you're paying all these guys, you don't have depth. You don't have depth. You lack depth. You lack depth when you're paying all these guys. So, you know, when, when, when guys go down and get hurt, so when a guy like Leighton Vanderbilt gets hurt, they, they have no depth. They have no depth at that position. They, have no, they lack depth at many positions because they're paying a lot of guys. And I've hit the head on this point. I have totally hit the head on this point. It's very similar to the L.A. Rams. L.A. Rams left. It's very similar to L.A. Rams last year. L.A. Rams, they're paying Brandon Cooks. They're paying Todd Gurley. They're paying offensive linemen. They're paying everybody. They're paying everybody. Off, a couple offensive linemen get hurt. Todd Gurley go down. And Brandon Cooks miss a couple games. And they have no depth at all. And it's absolute panic mode. And that is with the Cowboys. The Cowboys are one Tyron Smith injury away from being in complete panic mode. They are one time Smith injury away from being in complete panic mode. Simple as that. They are. They just are. They're one injury away. They're one Siri. They're one they're one Tyron Smith injury away from being in complete panic mode. Simple as that. I'll be back. I'll give you, I'll, I'll be back after this quick break guys. I'll be back. <laughs> With this Clippers meltdown, uh, this Clippers choke job, because that's what it was. This Clippers team choked. Uh, they, a bunch of prima donnas, um, it, it, lack of chemistry, n- the low management, not taking the regular season seriously at all. This is what it. That's just, this is what the result is. But like I said, I, you know, I gave a round of applause to the Denver Nuggets. Um, n- Nikola Jokic played well. He played as good. I mean, he dominated the game. 
uh, outside of scoring. He was he was great on the glass. He was a great. The, the Clippers turned him into a facilitator. He became the best player on the floor. Jamal Murray was the second best player on the floor because he could not be stopped. Um, Kawhi Leonard's a great defender. Uh, Paul George is a great defender. You know, we, we call these guys the best two-way guys, best two-way players in the league. They they could not stop Jamal Murray yesterday. Um, and like I said, we're gonna give the Denver Nuggets just like I did in the just like I did in the beginning of the episode. I'm gonna give the Denver Nuggets a round of applause. Yeah, they deserve it. Mm-hmm. They deserve it. They deserve that. Um, now, this Clippers meltdown, it's very telling. And a lot of people, you know, I, I, I've criticized the Clippers uh, <laughs> earlier in this episode. I, <laughs> I, I got on the Clippers. Paul George, absolute meltdown. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And I, I think, like I said, I think Paul is a great, I think PG is a great, uh, two-way player. I think he is an all-star caliber player, but when it comes to, um, when it comes to him in big moments, I just don't love him at all. In big moments, it's not good. He struggled his entire career in big moments. And I think that's it's going to be a big-time, long-lasting stain on his resume and his reputation. But speaking of reputations and resumes, that's what I said. On this podcast, on this episode, I end off with the saying, two choices, one decision. Now, you guys probably wonder, why do I say that? Well... It's easier to make the right decision when you limit your options. It's much easier. When you have all these options, when you have four and five options, because in, today, in, now, in, in today's world, we have so many options. There's so many options. It's a boatload of options. But when you, when you, limit, the, the, when you limit the number of options, you often, it gives you a higher percentage of making the absolute right decision. And it's about choices. Uh, you as us, as people, we make different choices. We make different, out, we, we have different outcomes. Uh, different choices lead to different outcomes, uh, whether positive or negative. Kawhi Leonard in this, in this past free agency, in this past off season, he had three options. He could have stayed in Toronto with with the Raptors, with Kyle Lowry, with two emerging stars in Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, and with Drake. <laughs> or, and he could have went to the Lakers and joined LeBron AD in that whole Laker organization. Or, the team that he chose, he chose the Clippers. Now, uh, you know, obviously that's not that's not looking like the right decision. And he chose the Clippers, and he held the Clippers at gunpoint. Damn near, <laughs> he had the he he held the Clippers hostage to trading Paul George because that remember that was the ultimatum. If the Clippers traded for Paul George, Kawhi was signed. 
The Clippers trade for Paul George. They gave away five first-round picks. They gave away Dylan O'Gallinari and Shea Gilgis Alexander in exchange for Paul George, and then that's how they got Kawhi. But Kawhi may have very well chose the wrong. He may have, he may very well have made the wrong decision. And you look at it like this. He's a, and I, I don't want to take anything away from Kawhi. He's a two-times final MVP. He, he, he won a championship in San Antonio. He's the finals MVP. He won a championship in Toronto. He was the finals MVP. But let's really fully dissect those teams. That first title in San Antonio. Yeah, Kawhi won finals MVP. But Tim Duncan had already set the precedent. He already set the president with the, 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 the president with this team. He already said it. Spurs were already a winning organization. Spurs have won four titles. Pop and, and Tim Duncan and Parker and Ginobili, they have seen a lot of success way before Kawhi. Was Kawhi even the first option on that team? Kawhi didn't even average 20 points in that series. Now, like I said, I don't want to take anything away from him because he won the series, he won the title, he won the finals MVP. But it's just the fact of the matter is he didn't have to build that team from ground up. He didn't have to build chemistry with that team. When he joined that roster, chemistry was already there. The system was already in place. The system was already in place for San Antonio. He had Duncan. He had Manu. He had Tony Parker. He, he, he had a productive bench. He had Greg Popovich. He had, he, he had R.C. Buford, Spurs GM, if you don't know. He had all these pieces in front of him. He had all these pieces set around him. Oh, okay. Even when he got traded to, even when he got traded to the Toronto Raptors, there was already a culture there. There was, there was already veterans in team chemistry and camaraderie in place there. You had Kyle Lowry. You had, you had you know, a, a great, uh, you had a good perimeter defender in Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam turned into an all-star. You had veterans like Serge Ibaka and, and Mark Gasol. You had these guys and these players already there. Set in place, set in stone. But this offseason, Kawhi chose the Clippers. He chose the fran- he chose the second tier franchise in LA. He chose the franchise that has not seen any success. They have not experienced any success. Kawhi chose that franchise. And that has it's looking like the wrong decision right now. But the difference, the distinct difference between the Clippers and the two prior franchises that Kawhi has played for, there's no culture there. There's no winning, well, there's no winning culture there. There's no successful culture there. There was no culture already set in place, set in stone. I think that is the distinct difference in Kawhi's option in this team. Kawhi didn't have to Kawhi 
was asked to really be the leader of this team. That question is your leadership skills. Kawhi is, you know, we, 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 we don't, we don't, and I, I don't think we talk about it enough because he's such a good guy and he, he's not bad with the media. He's such a good person. But typically, I like my leaders to talk. I want my leaders to be vocal. Kawhi, frankly, isn't vocal enough. He just isn't. And I think that is the difference between the prior two teams that he has joined. The Spurs had leaders. They had people that were vocal. They had set the culture. The Raptors had Kyle Lowry, vocal. They had set the culture. With the Clippers, there was a culture. It wasn't a good one. It was a losing culture. It was a losing mentality. And they needed a vocal leader. And they did not get that from Kawhi Leonard. And it doesn't help when your leader is on mute. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. I think that is the I think that's the distinct difference with the destinations. That's the distinct difference between the prior to the the prior two destinations. That Kawhi joined. Spurs. Culture said already. Greg Popovich is vocal. Leaders are vocal. Goes to Toronto. Kyle Lowry's vocal. Already have a leader there. Already have a culture there. Goes to the Clippers. Losing mentality. They got that loser's attitude. No winning culture. And lack leadership, honestly. And I like Jerry West. I, I think Steve Ballmer's a good owner. He's one of the wealthiest. I think Jerry West is a great executive. He's probably the great. He's probably the best executive in league history with all the with all the championship teams that he has put together. Doc Rivers, I think, is a good coach, good dude, good man. But you need a leader in the locker room. Outside of the front office, outside of the coaching, you need a leader in the locker room. Kawhi just isn't that. He's too mute. Not vocal enough. Not vocal. Gotta be vocal. Looking like he made the wrong decision. But that's what life is about. Decisions. 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 And choices. Kawhi made the wrong choice. He had three choices, made the wrong choice. Could have went to, could have stayed with the Raptors. Great front office. Already, already have a foundation set. Two, two emerging stars in in, in Siakam and Van Vliet. Could have chose the Lakers with LeBron AD, Laker, Laker, Laker background. Mm, didn't want to. Okay, cool. Chose the Clippers. The basement dwellers. That's what they are. That's what they're going to continue to be. So, um, that was, that's it. Um, I had a lot on the docket. <laughs> I had a lot on the docket. And I got to be honest. I got I to gotta be honest. I know you guys are going to have fun uh, listening to me poke the Clippers. I know you, I know you guys are going to have fun. Oh, oh, I think I'm choking. No, nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but the Clippers, absolute choke job. 
An absolute choke job. Because when you think about it, you look at this Clipper team, and you're like, okay, it, 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 you know, you, you've seen teams blow 3-1 leads. You've seen the Warriors blow 3-1 leads. You, 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 you've seen the Thunder with Durant and Westbrook blow 3-1 leads. Like, at least with the Thunder and Durant and Westbrook, at least with that 3-1 lead, they can say, well, we played against the Warriors. The Warriors are 73-9. and They had the unanimous MVP in Steph Curry. One of the greatest teams of all time. And at least with the Warriors, they can say, oh, you know, that 3-1 lead we blew? Yeah. We played against LeBron, the Cavs. LeBron is arguably the greatest player to ever touch a basketball. Simple as that. But this Clipper team, you did that against the Denver Nuggets. It's not going to sit well. You did that against the Denver Nuggets, and I just don't know how that sits well. Uh, in the second round at that, not the conference finals, not the NBA finals, but the second round against the baby, the, 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 the baby Nuggets. Like, like the baby Nuggets. Come on. A lot of, like, a lot, this Nuggets team is young. I, I, give it, I give it credit. I give Jokic credit. I give Mike Malone credit. Uh, oh, not credit. My bad. What I'm talking about. I give them props. I don't give credit. I'm not Navy Federal. I'm not, I'm not Visa. I don't give credit. I, I don't give credit. But I am willing to give the, 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 the Nuggets their due props. Uh, they proved a lot of people wrong. Um, I, I, yeah, that's, that, that is that. The Nuggets, they, they, you know, they bench played well. Jer- Jeremy and Grant. He played well. Michael Porter Jr., he had some big shots. He had some big moments in this series. That is phenomenal, and I'm glad for them. I am glad for the Clippers. I mean, <laughs> for the Nuggets and the Clippers. <laughs> uh, it looks like LeBron, he, uh, he's gonna be, they're gonna, the Lakers are going to be playing the Nuggets in the conference finals. That should be a great conference finals. Celtics Heat. Um, Celtics Heat. Uh, Boston. Both of these teams are evenly matched. I don't think one is better than the other by by much. Like if you, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people that think Miami is better, Miami they're better by they're better by a little bit, just a little bit. I think Boston's better. I think ball. I pick Boston to get to the finals. I think Boston is better by a little tiny bit. The Heat, um, their fight, their resilience, their their defense, their team chemistry, because they the, the Heat the, the Heat have great team chemistry. Their team chemistry has led them this far. Uh, boy, oh boy, Eric Sposha. I I I always been high on Eric Sposha. A lot of people, a lot of people didn't give Eric Sposha his props. Um, because he coached the, the big three with D-Wade and LeBron and Bosh. A lot of people didn't give him his props during those years, but he was really good doing all, throughout those years. He was really good. He had a couple rough patches, of course. I mean, that's that's what every coach has, you know, when you're coaching LeBron. You got your rough patches. But I feel like out of all the coaches, Eric Spolcher is the best. And he, he, you know, we just don't give him his credit. He's now receiving some of that. But I've always been particularly high on Eric Spolcher. I've I, I, always been high on him. Um, Bam out of bio. That block. 
boy, oh boy, that was a great block. Um, and that block could have went. I mean, that play could have went two different ways. We like if, if Bam is is one second late. That that's a that's a dunk. That's a ferocious dunk. And Tatum, that that, that that's the play of Tatum's career uh, so far. If he if he gets that with Bam with that block, it, it that's that's the play of Bam's career. It, he showed his athleticism. He showed his toughness. He showed his defensive versatility. Um, I must say, Gordon Dragic played well. You know, everybody's talking about Jimmy Butler and Bam. Rightfully so. Those guys played well. But I think Gordon Dragic, when the when the Heat struggled, and I, I watched again. When the Heat struggled in the first quarter, um, that, that was their worst quarter in the postseason so far. The first quarter of game one of last night's game against the Celtics, that was the that was the worst quarter that the Heat have played in offensively. And Miami struggled to get it going. I thought the boost from Goran Dragic in the second quarter, uh him just him taking over and picking up the pace on the game, I think was a big boost onto onto why the Heat was able to get back in the game in the second quarter and they kept it close even in the first and even in, even throughout the second half um they the, the heat made a great run in the fourth quarter they 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 were down in the fourth quarter they made a great run in the fourth quarter Goran Dragic does he doesn't get he, he doesn't get talked about enough and he has he had 29 but my question is for the Celtics is who does Kemba who who does Kemba Walker guard because I've, I've seen it in, in, in the Toronto series. Kyle Lowry and, and, and Fred Van Vliet, they were, they, they, were, they, were, they were taking advantage and they were attacking Kimball on defense because they know he's a defensive liability. And I saw some of that from Miami last night, especially Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic, he was, he was, taking, he was taking advantage of Kimball Walker. So that's my question. Who does Kemba Walker guard in this series? Because Goran Dragic is taking advantage of that matchup. So I don't know if Dragic is the right matchup. And if you put and now if you put Kemba on one of those shooters uh, like Duncan Robinson, or if you put him on a guy like a Tyler Hero, he's gonna. He's gonna have to run around and chase those shooters. So I, I I think I don't like that because he's 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 gonna be exerting so much energy on defense and, and happening to chase around these shooters. It just it, it, I don't know how fatigued like I I just don't know how that will play and how that will look. So I'm sticking with my pick with the Celtics. I got the Celtics in seven, but I do wonder do they put. Kimba Walker on Jay Crowder, but do the Heat exploit that? I just want to see. Look after a game one loss. I'm sure the Celtics will bounce back uh, with more energy. I'm sure the Celtics will bounce back quickly, um, and I'm sure Brad Stevens will have them looking at film. I love Brad, I love these coaches. I love Eric Spoelstra. I love Brad Stevens. So I want to see what transpires and what happens. Um, I want to see what happens with this, with the, with this, with this game, with this game too. 
I want to see what adjustments uh, that what adjustments do um, do the Celtics make, especially on defense defensively. Plus, lastly, on, on the Celtics and Heat series. Lastly, the Celtics. I think in late game situations, offensively, I think they can. I think they can be better. I think they can get better shots offensively down the stretch of games. Like I'm talking late in the fourth quarter, in crunch time, in overtime. I saw a lot of isolation play either from Tatum or Kimba Walker. Kimba Walker, you, you want to talk about defensively, Kimba Walker offensively has not been great. They, he's in. And Kimba Walker hasn't been great offensively for the last three games, even dating back into in the Toronto series. He hasn't been great. So, I, you know, I, 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 late in crunch time, I want to see the Celtics offensively get more player movement, more ball movement, because I think their offense becomes too stagnant and it just becomes about the Jason Tatum and the Kimball Walker show. And it's nothing wrong with that. You can have those guys taking the last shot and being the closers. But I, I, I got to see, the, like, it's just standstill. Everybody, you know, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, whoever, uh, they're, they're looking at Brown. And they're looking at Tatum and Kimba. Just dribble the clock out. I I thought they could have got better shots late in the shot clock than what they did last night. Um, so I, I'm just curious to see the adjustments that's that that's gonna be made. Uh, the Heat went to the Heat occasionally went to a zone. Uh, I want to see how the Celtics attacked that. I think the Celtics I think the Celtics attacked it pretty well last night. But I'm sure after a day of film and watching film and some adjustments. I'm sure that they they'll try to exploit that that heat zone um in some more ways. But I want to see how they how, what like what what transpires and what happens what what adjustments uh are being made. I want to see that. Because I think too much in the fourth quarter in overtime, I thought it was too much isolation. And when a and when a heat team that's really good defensively. I thought it was just too much ISO. Too my too much isolation. I think I just thought it was too much isolation play um watching the heat. Thought it was too much. Just just me. I thought it was too much. Uh so uh, I just thought it was too much isolation. But Thursday night football. Thursday night football is tomorrow. Uh it's Browns Bengals. It's this. It's, it's, it's we have the Cleveland Browns against against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I, this is a big game for Baker. And you guys all know. I mean, you guys, you guys have criticized me for being too critical of Baker. You guys have gave me. You guys are saying I'm too. You guys all throughout last year, all throughout the offseason, you said I was too critical of Baker Mayfield. Okay, and and boy oh boy, the Clippers the Clippers saved Baker Mayfield's butt. The Clippers the Clippers say, they they saved Baker Mayfield's tail because I was gonna come in I was planning to come on here, and I was I was gonna I was gonna 
I was going to talk about the Browns' week one loss. But I'm going to talk, I want to see what the Browns do against the Cincinnati Bengals uh, on tomorrow night, Thursday night football. I'm going to pick the Browns to win that game. Um, I, I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm going to pick the Browns to win that game. The Browns should win that game. Uh, now, now Baltimore, I don't want to overreact. Like I said, I saw a lot of people overreacting to some of these week one results. I'm not going to overreact. Um, but I'm, I was very high on the Browns this year, but I still have my questions about Baker Mayfield and I'm, and I'm still amongst one of the most, I'm still amongst the people that critique Baker Mayfield the most. Um, and this Browns team, and the reason why I have the Browns at nine and seven is because if Baker can't get this Browns team to nine and seven, he's out of a job. They're going to move on. But week two, starting tomorrow, is a very big game. Week two, starting tomorrow for the Browns versus the Cincinnati Bengals, it's a very big game. And I know it's I know it's weird to be saying that week two, but you look at look at who's in Cleveland's division. You look at uh Baltimore. Baltimore is gonna steamroll. They're gonna continue to steamroll. Uh, uh Pittsburgh, they're a playoff team. Pittsburgh look like they're legit. Cleveland they, Cleveland want they they want to win this game because if they don't win this game tomorrow, they they're two games back already on Cleveland and on on on, on Pittsburgh and Baltimore. They'd be two games back already. You don't want to put yourself behind the eight ball and start off slow. The Browns should win this game because Cincinnati's very young. The Browns have more talent. Uh, the Browns, they're coming off a humiliating loss. Uh, the Browns, have they, they have received a lot of heat. And the book is kind of already out on Baker. I'm just going to take my humble grace. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to bow humble, humbly. And I'm going to say, hey, I was one of the first ones to come out and say, hey, Baker is not as good as everybody thinks. He's not as good as he thinks. Baker thinks he's Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. When he, he, he no, he's not that. Russ, I mean, he, 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 like Baker, he tries to extend plays and he tries to make plays like he's Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. When really, he should try to be like Drew Brees. If you think about it, I'm, and please, I'm not saying Baker is Jew Brees. I'm not saying Baker is going to be the next Jew Brees, but think about it like this. Baker and Jew Brees have similarities. They're not the biggest quarterbacks. They don't have the biggest they don't have the biggest arms. They're not the most athletic guys. They're not the most elusive guys. But what is one thing that Jew Brees does nearly better than any other quarterback in today's game? Oh, yeah, that's right. He's accurate. What was Baker Mayfield's biggest strength coming out of Oklahoma? Oh, yeah, that's right. His accuracy. Baker Mayfield needs to... He, he, he's having, he, he doesn't know who he is as a quarterback. 
He's having quarterback identity problems. He doesn't know who he is. He wants to be Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson and make plays outside the pocket and do all the fancy and, and you know stuff. But he's not that. He's not that athlete. He's not that athletic. He's not that dynamic. He cannot do that. Instead, Baker Mayfield needs to be more like Drew Brees. Not saying he is Drew Brees. I'm not saying he's going to be Drew Brees. I'm not saying he's the next Drew Brees. But he needs his game needs to be very. He needs to be Drew Brees. He needs to turn into Drew Brees. That's what his game needs to turn into. Because Baker isn't a great athlete. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's accurate. Oh, well, that was his biggest strength coming out of college. That was his biggest strength coming out of Oklahoma. He was accurate. His accuracy. That was his biggest strength. Now, he hasn't been quite accurate. But he needs to become a better pocket passer. He needs to be a pocket passer. Simple as that. He needs to be a pocket passer. I told you guys, I thought, I told you guys, I thought Baker Mayfield was a better version of Case Keenum. That's how I'm looking at it. I thought he was a better version. If you want my real comparison, my real comp, Baker Mayfield's comp, he's a better version of Case Keenum. He's a little bit better version of Case Keenum. A little bit more talented. A little, a little bit more talented version than Case Keenum. That's who he is. My fault. That's who he is. But I got the Browns winning. It's a really big game. But I will catch you guys on Saturday. Um, if, you know, depending on the outcome of that game, I will, on Saturday, I will, I will either be bashing Baker Mayfield or I will be calm and cool about the Browns and Baker Mayfield. Plus, OBJ, I'm hearing trade rumors. I've been told y'all, OBJ needs to get out of there. I told y'all, OBJ is not going to end his career in Cleveland. I told you guys this. He is not going to end his career in Cleveland. But, nevertheless, on Saturday, I can't wait. We got content. Great. I cannot wait for Saturday. I'm going to give you guys my top 10 teams, my predictions for week two. And depending on how the Browns game go, I may be criticizing Baker Mayfield or I may not criticize him. I don't know. We got to see. But I'm picking the Browns to win that game on week two tomorrow, Thursday night football. I'm picking the Browns to win that game. Uh, they got a little bit more talent. I think they got a, they got, they be, they be getting a lot of heat this offseason or, well, this past week um, after that performance against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I wouldn't feel like the Baltimore Ravens, they would do that to a lot of teams. So Cleveland, that's why I'm not going to overreact, but Baltimore would do that to a lot of these teams. Baltimore would do what they did to Cleveland. They do a they Baltimore would do that to a lot of teams. I'm not kidding. They would. So without further ado, I'm gonna let you guys go. Thank you for uh, tuning into this episode. Um, the Clippers. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, they, they, the basement dwellers, the basement dwellers, their second fiddle in LA, they are the stepchild of LA, nobody loves them in LA, <laughs> wow, that's crazy, okay, 
Um, well, catch you guys on Saturday, the Saturday episode. Come back, spread the word, uh, and you know, come back for the Saturday episode. I would love for you to come back on Saturday episode. Shout out to all the first time listeners. Shout out to all the last time listeners. Shout out to if you've been listening since day one. Um, shout out to all the platforms that you guys are using, uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. Always remember, two choices, one decision, and don't give up a 3-1 lead, and don't choke of a game seven in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, don't do those things. Don't do those things. Don't. I catch you guys on Saturday. Peace, deuces, I'm out. Thank <laughs> you.